Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. By now, I think you know the updates from Mar-a-Lago, from the raid on Trump's home. And it was a raid. I I am still stunned at the people who are like, it wasn't a raid. They just served a warrant. Of course it was a raid. Of course it was. It's it's impossible to say it otherwise with a straight face. There's just no way to say it otherwise. Everybody knows that it was a raid. These agencies have now been weaponized to be used against people that the government doesn't like. And you look at the raid at Mar-a-Lago, and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to remember, maybe someone here can remind me about when they did a search warrant at Hillary's house in Chappaqua, when she had a rogue server and she was laundering classified information. I don't remember them doing that. I do remember them manufacturing a false conspiracy theory about Russia collusion. I remember that. That was not true. That was an abuse of power. I remember a lawyer for the FBI got caught doctoring an application for FISA surveillance against an innocent man. That was Carter Page was the innocent man. Kleinsmith was the guy who did it, basically a slap on the wrist. But that's uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Who is the guy looking at all this saying, wait a second, is is Trump now back so much in the picture that I got to step aside? And the answer is no. Oh, no, no, no. I am not buying into that. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, so good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. He does not have to step aside. I do not buy into the talk that Trump is the nominee. We have got a long, long way to go. Everybody take a breath. But can there be any doubt, any doubt that this puts Trump back in every single conversation? Well, of course it did. He said so. I referred to Trump as a martyr. You know who else is referring to Trump as a martyr? Bill Maher. Bill Maher on his show... His fortune was finally falling, and here comes the FBI to prop him back up. That's how a lot of people uh, saw it. And there are a lot of people who are absolutely willing, absolutely willing to vote for Trump again. They would just rather not. If you don't think that's a very large contingent, I'm sorry, that's, that's not being honest with oneself. They would rather have... DeSantis, or possibly Abbott, or possibly Pompeo. They want the fighter. They don't want the baggage. Politically, that's true. Politically, the raid opens the door. It is a martyrdom. Unquestionable. Look, these people really are targeting me. They really are attacking me. What did Trump have in his possession? Well, some classified documents, so the story goes. Remember, we have the property list. And people were so crazed about this. They told Trump, well, why don't you tell us what was in the warrant? Just release the warrant. You know, uh, give us the warrant. And then, oh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll 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 believe you. (laughs) Believing that Trump would never do such a thing. And then Trump said, "Okay, here's the warrant. 
and it had everything, the property list and the FBI agents involved, and then people went crazy. How dare you release the warrant? You're not supposed to do that. Comedy on comedy on comedy gold, these people. Now, the argument on the classified information goes as follows. And I've already described how, based on what the DOJ is trying to do regarding the Espionage Act, you don't need to have any of the documents be classified in order to go down that road. This very much looked like, hey, let's see what we can find, and then we'll charge the guy with a crime. It is very much Beria. Uh, you know, uh, who headed up uh, uh, Stalin's uh, secret, uh, police service. Show me the man, and I'll show you the crime. That's what he, what he is, his, is. That's his, what he's famous for. And when Stalin was gone, and he backed the wrong horse, you know what they did to him? They executed him. Part of the uh, people who were uh, who won when 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 he lost in terms of who he was backing, Khrushchev. Oh. Oh, commies are brutal. Remember, you are on the inside right until the moment that you're not. The minute the seas shift, you you are out. You are gone. You are done. You are the dead. That's how commies work, baby. In China, you don't necessarily get killed right away. You just get disappeared. Just ask Jack Ma. So never mind the the the, the espionage uh, claim of this. Let's get into whether or not these things are classified. Trump says no, and Trump, according to Just the News, uh, John Solomon reporting, Trump had a standing order at the White House that if he took materials to the White House, um, from the White House, from the Oval to his residence, which people work of course it's going to happen i believe every president has done it if you're taking documents to your residence they would be seen as declassified his argument is by doing so when i took things they were indeed declassified now i know some people want to argue that Trump can't declassify anything he wants. Of course he could. As president, not not as, as, as a former president, as president, he can declassify anything he chooses. You're president, you can declassify anything you want. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, ask anybody's permission. Picture the scenario, because some people are saying, no, he doesn't have the right to do that. It has to be this group or it have to be that group. Some non-elected bureaucrat has the ability to tell the elected president of the United States, the commander of the armed services, the chief executive of the United States, you can't declassify something? Does that sound rational to you? The answer is of course not. Of course it's irrational. It's ridiculous and wrong and pathetic. The president can declassify anything the president chooses at any time. But he's now making a second statement. That the documents taken were protected by attorney-client privilege. Now, I'm willing to believe that to be true. Maybe not all the documents, but certainly some, if not many of the documents. Protected by attorney-client privilege. 
This is where the breadth of the order comes into play because the order is freaking surreal. I'm talking about the warrants. When I talk about the order, I'm talking about the the warrant. It's out of control. It goes on for freaking ever. It is this massive, wide-reaching fishing expedition that I, I, I must tell you, I, w- I was stunned to see it. We, we, we got it, you know, on, on Friday. We were sharing some of it. By the way, even John Bolton knows that Trump used to take the documents w- with him. He said the practice, uh, this is John Bolton speaking, the former National Security Advisor, saying the practice worried me. Well, worried you means nothing. The fact that he did it and we have proof of that is what matters. The warrant was so absolutely wide-reaching. All physical documents and records constituting evidence, contraband, fruits of crime, or other items illegally possessed in violation of the code, uh, including the gathering, transmitting, or losing defense information, concealment, removal, or mutilation, destruction, alteration, or uh, falsification of records in federal investigations. Fruits of crime! I never saw fruits of crime before. I mean, good name for a band. I never saw that in a in a in a thing before. No, never. How do you know what a fruit of crime is? Well, we gather everything and we look at it and then we decide. That's some wide-reaching stuff. That is very much show me the man and I'll show you the crime. It is so outrageously un-American. I want to know the affidavit, of course, and dig into that that gets somebody to sign a warrant that says fruits of crime. But the documents that he's claiming are of attorney-client privilege, I don't care what the FBI wants. If we aren't willing to protect attorney-client privilege, what what are we? Well, Tony, he had classified information, and that's not acceptable. Actually, if you take a look at how it is they want to go after him, the classified information doesn't even mean anything. Because they want to use the Espionage Act, and the Espionage Act doesn't care if the materials are classified or not. Which is part of the reason they want to use the Espionage Act. Again, the widest net possible, which says to Trump supporters and to people on the outside, holy McCrap, this is a witch hunt. Because it is a witch hunt. It is what it is, what it is, what it is. And as guys like Andy McCarthy were explaining on Fox over the weekend, we've got the Fourth Amendment to protect against these kinds of things. I I think he's... was goaded into saying that he reviewed it personally because he we went through several days where the coverage of it was as if he was a spectator as if he was a passenger on the ship not not the captain of the ship which the attorney general is supposed to be so i think a lot of his statement the other day was theater in that regard to correct that impression ultimately i think he's going to be sorry he said that he personally reviewed this warrant because you know we're, we're talking a lot about the classified information aspect of it This warrant is so open-ended 
and it so defies the Fourth Amendment's requirement that a warrant specifically dis describe the things that the agents are allowed to seize. This is a general warrant. This is basically what we have the Fourth Amendment to prevent. Mm -hmm. um, it's so, I mean, you just mentioned before, every shred of paper that was generated by the Trump administration is, can be collected under this warrant. It doesn't have to have an iota of connection to classified information or classified intelligence. And I'm glad the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Fruits of crime. Son of a bitch! The argument is not whether or not you think Trump did something wrong. It's very possible that he did. It's that are we a nation of laws or not? And this warrant says, screw that. Nation of laws? Do you want to be a nation of laws? F these people. Damn. Pure, pure brutality, guys. It's, it's, it's surreal. Now, I know you've heard a lot about this, and, and I know I went over some of it earlier, but it's, it's, it's worthy of repeating just some, some angles and some areas, uh, because this is, this is downright evil. It is. You want to argue that somebody did something wrong. In America, you have to prove it. You don't get to go on a fishing expedition searching for everything and then deciding what you can match it up to. That's exactly who we are not. That's actually, that is clearly the Stalinist hellscape we are not. This is not Kim Jong-un's North Korea. This is not Xi's China. We don't engage the struggle sessions here. We don't say prove your innocence, unless it's the IRS. We don't say prove your innocence. And that's exactly what the Biden administration through the DOJ has said. That's exactly what culture wants to say. Oh, he's guilty. Oh, he's the worst. Oh, my gosh. Ah, oh, he's going he's gonna to go to jail. I, I, I've heard this stuff before. But if we're going to engage this conversation about everything regarding the raid and, and, and not ask ourselves... Is, is this the way we want our country to act? Then we're nuts. By the way, the latest is that Trump reached out to the DOJ. And it's like, uh, the, the, the temperature has to be brought down in, in the country. Uh, let me know what I can do to help. The country is in a very dangerous position. There is tremendous anger like I've never seen before over all the scams in this new one, years of scams and witch hunts, and now this. If there's anything we could do to help, I and my people would certainly be willing to do that. There's never been a time like this where law enforcement has been used to break into the house of a former president of the United States, and there's tremendous anger in the country at a level that has never been seen before other than during very perilous times. Uh, I argue, uh, yes, there, there's an anger in the country. There is. There's a disgust. And um, if some of that disgust is going to be used to, to threaten FBI agents, I, I don't think we should do that. But as, as I've discussed, um, 
Lots of people have had lots of threats, and only when it's to a progressive's benefit do they get upset about it. It's it's true. Supreme Court justices uh, were, were being threatened every day, and someone came to kill Brett Kavanaugh. Not a word. Not a word from the White House. Not a word. Not a word. Not pfft, nothing. Some guy shows up in Cincinnati, by the way, gets killed, and it's 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 the end of days. I mean, some radical statements on this stuff. I'm opposed to all of that. I was opposed to it then. I'm opposed to it now. I'm opposed to it. I don't. I'm. I under, I understand what I'm about. I understand my levels of consistency. But I think it was an interesting letter to send. The FBI, the DOJ, Merrick Garland, who signed it. That's what Andy McCarthy was talking about. He's going to regret saying, oh, yeah, I, I oversaw this. It looks real bad. It does look bad. What's going to happen next? I don't know. But Trump's got to feel good about getting back into this thing if he wasn't already going to do it. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. The Gannett layoffs. That's the Indianapolis Star, everybody. But I haven't seen where the Indy Star did any layoffs. But a lot of Gannett properties did. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Uh, it's It's... Could be simply that people go different places now for their for their news and and newspapers are not it. They've got so many digital sources and new media sources. They don't they don't need what newspapers had to do or or, or, or newspapers offer. The other way to look at it is the newspapers um, they went woke. You know, I mean, I, I caught a story that was uh, tweeted out by Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky, uh, get woke, go broke. I hate that expression. But does the style of coverage have something to do with it? All leftist, all the time coverage. That's a question. Uh, a worthy question, may I add. It's worthy to ask... Whether or not these people are engaged in reporting that people find valuable. And I, I believe clearly the answer is no. I even say, I've said this about the Indy Star many times. When they do local reporting, like the Larry Nasser story, sorry, incre- incredible. When they want to play 24 7 woke and look how much we care. Miserable. Miserable. More to get to. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. So China's having problems. China is having real economic problems. I think it comes from putting 350 million people in lockdown over COVID, which, of course, uh, they created. Oh, too soon? Too soon? I don't think so. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Chuck DeVore joins us right now. The Honorable Chuck DeVore, Chief National Initiatives Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And he's been following the same things uh, that I have been following. China unexpectedly cut interest rates as the Chinese Communist Party tries to keep the economy 
uh, afloat. This is a nation, uh, sir, that requires a five and a half percent. They were aiming for five and a half percent, I should say, growth in their economy. They only got 0.3 percent and they need basically six percent to keep up with their rising population. Talk to me about what's going on and where the problem is for China, for the U.S. and where the opportunities are. So thanks, Tony. I think there are two big things going on here. First of all, China has misinvested approximately 30% of their gross domestic product is within the property sector. That's way more than it should be. And what they've been doing is propping up their economy by continually loaning more and more and more money to build these huge infrastructure projects, to build these cities that nobody lives in. And there's all these high rises around China where there's literally no one in the high rise paying mortgage or paying rent. So that's problem number one. Problem number two, of course, you hit on, which is we've got this COVID lockdown mania where they keep doubling and tripling down on these policies that don't work because they have to show the preeminence of the Chinese Communist Party and and leader Xi that they're right. So they can't admit that these things don't work. And so, of course, there was this gigantic uh, shutdown in Shanghai, other major cities. This has hammered their economy. So you have these two things together uh, are causing uh, significant headwinds for the Chinese economy. And that's why they cut interest rates. Before we get into where these issues are really located, I have talked about this before, that they build these cities, these metropolitan areas with no people, and they they get referred to as ghost cities. Can you explain how that works? Well, again, the Chinese economy is very much dependent on debt, and what they do with that debt is they build uh, infrastructure, uh, and they overinvest in infrastructure by probably more than double what they should be. So it's about 30% of their economy. And it's like this perpetual motion machine. They just keep borrowing money. They they create jobs with people building these things that people really don't need. And what's happened now is it's inflated the uh, real estate sector. It's inflated the, the amount of product out there on the market. And this combined with other economic problems has caused many Chinese who are huge savers, right? Because they don't have a social... Uh, you know, security network. uh, And with only one child, they can't rely on their family to support them. So they're huge savers. And so what the Chinese have done up to this point is purchase property, purchase homes. And now that's starting to stop. And you're beginning to see people even withholding their mortgage payments in this nationwide strike. It's very remarkable. So what's happening now is uh, confidence in the Chinese real estate sector has been severely uh, shaken to the core. And it's really difficult for me to imagine uh, that the Chinese authorities can restart uh, that part of their economy. Uh, They've got some big headwinds coming. Talking to Chuck DeVore, he is the Chief National Initiatives Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, spent time working in the Reagan White House during his time uh, in the the military, I should say, Reagan-era Pentagon, uh, and served as an assemblyman in the state of California. You take a look at the data, Richard Frost posting, you uh, retweeted that uh, from Bloomberg, Richard Frost. Retail sales 2.7% with an estimate of 4.9%. You've got industrial output at 3.8% with an estimate of 4.3%. Home sales, as you were just discussing, down 28.6%. 
Property investment down 12.3. Crude steel output down 6.4. But the big one, youth unemployment rising to a record 19.9. History does not lie. When, of course, the history is recorded properly. When you see moments like this and situations like this, it leads to upheaval. And the only way to stop the upheaval, the uprising of the people, is through absolute sheer terror and violence. Is that something that we should be looking at in China sometime soon? I think that this issue is always underplayed. In other words, Western analysts uh, looking at things through the Western way of thinking uh, typically think to themselves, well, the government has all these problems. Why would they put anything more on their plate? Why would they bite off even more if that's an issue? And what you have to understand is that much of Chinese politics is about domestic politics. It's really not about international issues. It's about domestic issues. It's about, it's about keeping the Chinese Communist Party in power. And so if they're having problems within the country, what better way to distract the people than to create some sort of a nationalist crisis that would allow the government to crack down and to try to unify the people against some external enemy, whether that's so-called Taiwanese separatists or whether that's Japan or whether that's America or India. Uh, This is something that people need to understand is a possibility. It's part of the playbook. So I understand it. I think everybody listening knows that, uh, you know, uh, diverting to the new shiny object is a great way for people to, uh, you know, not realize the pain that they're they're under and they're dealing with. But let me bring it over to this uh, opinion piece over the New York Post from Desmond Lockman, uh, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and deputy director. He was in the International Monetary Fund Policy Department of Solomon Smith Barney. He is discussing how this affects us. And part of the article is, there's never a good time for a slowdown in China, the world's second largest economy. However, now seems a particularly bad time for the challenged economies of the United States and other nations. From a U.S. perspective, the grim Chinese outlook has to raise questions about the wisdom of the Federal Reserve's current hawkish monetary policy when the U.S. already appears to be on the cusp of a recession. First, not a cusp. In uh, two quarters negative GDP is a recession, even if Representative Pramila Jayapal of Washington State uh, says that's just a a term that they use. It doesn't actually mean anything. Where is the United States economy really affected by this Chinese slowdown and what moves should the U.S. be making to ensure that the the issue at play isn't so great? Well, that's a great question. I think, first of all, with China uh, reducing interest rates, you're likely going to see further pressure on the Chinese currency vis-a-vis the dollar. So that's going to probably give China more of an export advantage. That's one way they can salvage their economy. It's a way to try to delay or disrupt this decoupling that's been going on as we've been trying to seek other supply chain uh, partners or sources outside of China. Uh, So if Chinese goods become so irresistibly cheap that we just can't compete and we buy a bunch of Chinese steel and Chinese cement and Chinese computer components, et cetera, uh, then they can keep that uh, dependency going on a little longer and they can keep their economy afloat a little bit uh, more. And of course, you're seeing the Biden administration talking about lifting 
the Trump era tariffs on Chinese goods as a way to try to bring inflation down. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, I think you put those two things together and there's a pretty good chance that a lot of the progress that uh, President Trump made in trying to steer our supply chains away from China uh, may be scuttled because of these moves. Talking to Chuck DeVore, the Chief National Initiatives Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. I, I make the argument, and I'm not alone in, in, in this, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm special in this, uh, that we need to be bringing more manufacturing back to the United States. We need to be bringing more, uh, not only in the actual uh, using your hands creation, but in the in the tech uh, creation, in, in the drug manufacturing. We need to bring it all back. There have been conversations about onshoring going on. Is there a quantifiable number? Is there a uh, concerted effort for companies, whether they're based in the U.S. or other places, to realize uh, that China, China is perilous situation, which they brought upon themselves. They can't be trusted. You can't trust your company there. And are they bringing them back to whether it be the U.S. shores or other places? And what exactly stops China fearing this moment from engaging in some Hugo Chavez level expropriation? Yeah, that's uh, another couple of good questions. So, yes, that process has finally started where uh, U.S. firms are realizing that there is no rule of law, that there are no rules at all in China, uh, and that uh, their intellectual property is going to be stolen and that uh, all their trade secrets are going to be stolen, et cetera. So there's one thing, though, for the intellectual realization that that's a problem. The next thing, of course, is actually deciding to try to disentangle and to shift your supply chains. And so that process started to happen under Trump. It began to happen for the first few months under the Biden administration. But then the problem is, as Biden comes along and starts leveling uh, industry by putting more and more regulations on it, more threats of uh, tax increases. And now, of course, we've seen with this huge bill the, that finally there are tax increases. So just as the Trump policies were beginning to have their effect, Biden comes along and, and really puts a hammer on that and, and slows that down. And once again, makes the American manufacturing market a less attractive place in which to do business. So, uh, yes, things are beginning to move out of China, but because of Biden, I doubt that they're going to come here to America. So you're likely going to see uh, more uh, investment in places like India and Vietnam and, and maybe even corrupt Mexico, uh, but, are, but I mean, definitely not China. I, 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 I want the investment here, and I, I'm not arguing against uh, what you're saying regarding Biden, but am, am I am I so bothered that we would have supply chain in India? Well, again, it depends on what it is, right? So, uh, for example, uh, a huge amount of the precursor chemicals needed to make our pharmaceuticals uh, have their origin point in China. And what happens then to Americans that are, uh, you know, dependent on these drugs for, uh, you know, life extension or for, you know, treating chronic diseases, et cetera, uh, if that supply gets disrupted? And so that's uh, one particular example. Another, of course, is, is computer chips. Uh, and so our economy is very dependent on computer chips, many of which are manufactured in the People's Republic of China. And that process is going to take a little while to, to shift out of that country because these are complex uh, processes. Uh, and uh, you can't just set up a factory overnight to make computer chips. It takes a while to create that capacity. 
Chuck DeVore. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, he is the chief National Initiatives Officer for the Texas Public Policy uh, Foundation. You can find him on Twitter at Chuck DeVore, D-E-V-O-R-E. Always a pleasure, sir. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So I get it. There's no trusting the FBI. I, I, I said so on TV yesterday. I, I, I'm, I, it's, it's hard to trust the FBI. That's all there is to it. I get it. You get it. We all get it. But when they're talking about Alec Baldwin, what happens when I think they're right? (laughs) How how do I deal with this? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. Um, According to the FBI report, um, you... uh, you have FBI, the FBI saying that Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger. That's that's what they're saying. That he pulled the trigger um, when it comes to that shooting that took place on the set of Rust, the movie that killed um, the cinematographer and injured others. He pulled the trigger. And by the way, of course he pulled the trigger. Of course he pulled the trigger. What possible argument is there that he didn't? It magically happened? That's not... No one's buying this level of cuckoo McCrazy. No one. No one, no one, no one. The report states that investigators doing their look, they found that the old school weapon, which is a Colt 45, a long Colt, they call it, could not be fired without someone pulling the trigger. They found accidental discharge impossible. This is according to ABC News. Impossible in the quarter cock, half cock, and full cock hammer positions. By the way, don't bother calling the FCC. I'm quoting a report, people. Keep your dirty minds to yourselves. That's the story. That's the story. No one is shocked. No one is surprised. Of course he did. The shock and surprise comes from him going out there and making the claim that it wasn't me. What do you mean it wasn't you? I know someone's to blame, but it wasn't me. Yes. Yes, it was. We all knew that from the very, very dang beginning. What happened was horrible. And I don't believe for a second, I don't believe for a second that he meant to do it. I believe that he got lazy and careless. This is what I believe. Careless. Did not check the weapon. Did not check himself. Careless. And this is what happens. Now, the problem for him is that everybody was careless up and down the line. 
The prop master was careless. The first AD was careless. It was a nonstop carelessness. That's the issue. That's the problem. You're supposed to check. Don't tell me you're so in character. You can't check the weapon. The character checks the weapon. Ergo, you do too. How, how in the world is it possible that he thinks he's innocent on this? And how is it possible that Hollywood shunned Will Smith faster than they shunned Alec Baldwin? Meaning they haven't shunned him at all. Not an ounce. Not one single bit. They haven't shunned him in the slightest. This is this is where it's ugly. As for what's going to keep going down with this investigation, you know, look, I, I, uh, regarding Trump, all, all I hear is is oh my gosh, Trump, uh, he 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 should be uh, he should be getting ready for jail. Oh, he's got to get ready for jail. Oh, he, he should be talking to his family about it, preparing. That's that's a, that's actual talk on MSNBC. Haven't we heard this already? It's a wide net they cast. And as you heard me say, maybe some documents he's not supposed to have. But this, this is the ugliest stuff in the world. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.